the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for with us as we get started at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the second morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. We've got Dr. Everett Piper coming up on the program one hour from now. Very much looking forward to hearing from the good doctor on a host of issues, especially those related to, as we talked about yesterday, to some extent, or in some extent, the, uh, the role that faith plays in what is clearly a very science oriented pandemic that we are dealing with right now how much role of a role does faith play and why are so many so antagonistic toward faith at this time and that's just the reality of the situation i'll give you another example of it coming up here in just a few minutes so dr piper is going to be joining us at ten ten. i look forward to that and i look forward to hearing from you too at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. You may also reach me, of course, as always, on social media. As much as I dis- despise social media, on Twitter and Facebook, you can get me at France Radio F R A N T Z France Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. So we're looking forward to uh, your phone calls and your thoughts as we continue. But I want to start this morning. Talking about leadership, um, I'll get to some of the numbers and the new projections and the new safeguards that are being put into place, etc., as it pertains to the uh, Wuhan Chinese coronavirus. But I want to talk about leadership. I want to talk about how it comes in different forms. What do we look to? Who do we look to, rather, in a time like this? We've been ordered by our leadership to shutter in place, to shelter in place, rather, and to shutter businesses. We've been ordered by leadership to stay away from one another, to not visit family members, not visit friends, not even go see your elderly uh, family members who might need assistance from you. We're not supposed to do any of those things. Our leadership is telling us we can't be caused. And then they'll proceed to tell us about all of the things that we know are real. No one is suggesting that the coronavirus 
is is not very serious. Uh, when thousands of people are dying, it is very serious. It needs to be respected. Uh, and the rules been, that have been given to us by our leadership have to be respected to that extent. Now, there is a limitation to that, at least there should be, as far as how many restrictions our leaders can put in place to combat what is obviously a deadly virus. And we'll talk about that, too. But since our leaders are the ones telling us what to do, it begs the question, how much trust can we have in the judgment of said leaders, right? Which is why I want to look around the country a little bit, and I want to talk uh, and, and, and share some information about some of those leaders. For example, what is the epicenter right now? What is the hub, if you will, of the coronavirus pandemic in the United States? Very clearly, it is New York City. More than half of the um, cases of infection in this country are in New York City. And that, of course, has to do with a lot of things, including a very dense population, people all on top of one another, uh, particularly in Manhattan, uh, but really in all the boroughs. But uh, New York City is very, very uh, diverse. New York City is very, very hard to manage because of the size, because of the number, seven to nine million people in that that area alone. And uh, like I said, they're very, very close to one another. So it is spreading there like wildfire. Uh, it is getting worse, and um, there's just no no two ways about that. And so we have to say, okay, leaders, what are you doing? In addition to your orders about staying in place, etc., what else are you doing? So let's talk about the leadership in New York, and let's talk about Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City. Now, you might say, I don't care about that. That's New York. Listen, this matters there because what they are saying is that what is what is happening there is going to be happening here. It's going to be happening around the country. The CDC has given out day, and so has the White House the Coronavirus uh, Task Force, Response Task Force, have given out projected dates of when the peaks are going to be in each city. And New York City, of course, is pretty much undergoing it right now. So it's going to happen elsewhere as well. So let's listen to this. Bill de Blasio. Um, in an attempt to try to stop the spread of coronavirus and protect as many people as possible, has done what other liberal city leaders have done around the country. He has said, we're going to have to release people from jail. We're going to have to release people from their confinement because they're on in very close quarters as well. They're on top of one another, and the coronavirus is spreading there. And that makes it dangerous not only for the inmates, but also for the staff, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to, we're going to release people. But the one thing he also said was, by the way, not violent people. Not violent people. We're going to let people out who aren't going to be threats to the community, Bill de Blasio said. So in other words, people who have committed violent acts, people who have committed violent assaults, including domestic violence, people who are sex offenders, for example, would not be among those released. Well, until they are, because Bill de Blasio now has gone back on that promise. And district attorneys from Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, Staten Island, as well as the city's special narcotics prosecutor, have all issued a statement saying that while they agreed to release hundreds of people due to health concerns who were nonviolent offenders, they did not agree to allowing sex offenders and other violent felons out uh, uh, from their uh, confinement. We were assured, said the letter signed by district, uh, district attorneys from those particular boroughs, We were assured that the release would not include those serving time for domestic violence or sex offenses, given the risks to victims. Unfortunately, we later learned that such individuals are indeed included in the ranks of those to be released. 
The prosecutors say they have communicated their concerns, but these concerns have not always been heeded by the mayor and his staff. Now, that's part one of this story as we discuss leadership in a time of this pandemic. The leaders, the ones who are telling us that we have to shut down our businesses and stop our lives in mid-stride, these are the individuals who are making these decisions. Now, part two of the story is this. It's a headline you don't want to see ever. A staggering 1,400 New York City Police Department officers, NYPD, have tested positive for Chinese coronavirus. And the 911 calls keep on coming. 1,400 New York City Police Department officers are out of commission on sick leave. Think about that for a moment. That's about 17% of the police department. That's enormous. That's a massive number of people, and it's not going to stop there. Fox News reported that 1,048 officers tested positive for COVID-19 and that at least 5,600 other officers were out sick on that same day. Right now, though, 1,400 confirmed cases of the Chinese coronavirus among the police officers. So in other words, with the police force thin on membership, the New York City mayor says, let's let out all the sex offenders and violent felons so that they don't get coronavirus in jail. Now I want you to tell me what that's a recipe for. And if you want to say disaster because it's the easiest low-hanging fruit, okay, it's a recipe for disaster. It absolutely is. We have fewer officers able to deal with violent crime on the streets, let alone regular crime. Not all crime is violent. Boy, a few are officers on, on patrol, and now we're going to put dangerous, violent criminals, including sex offenders, back out amongst the population. That's just dynamite leadership. Let's leave the East Coast and go way out to the West Coast. In fact, up into the great Pacific Northwest. Let's go to Seattle, which was kind of the original epicenter of the Wuhan Chinese coronavirus coming to the United States. Let's take a look at what's going on there. Well, first of all, you do know that in Seattle, just as in New York, there is a strain on the police department because of the number of police officers who have been infected. Remember, police officers don't get to just call off whether they're wearing masks or not. They have to go in and confront and sometimes touch people who may be infected. So this is a very dangerous situation for them. So with numbers, of course, being an issue... Uh, One would think that it would be a strategic decision to make sure that all police officers that are deployed to, you know, radio calls to, you know, who are are responding to radio calls and are deployed to uh, handle various situations. um, We have to be very, very strategic in the uh, in the cases that we respond to. Right. Because there are fewer of them, fewer officers available, more and more potential problems. Well, You would be wrong if you thought that would be the most strategic way to deal with it. Because this is a message from the chief of police in Seattle, Washington. As she prioritizes police responses to various calls. Listen to lunacy. Washington State is no place for hate. In a show of solidarity between police and community, I'm joined today by Lori Matsukawa. Thank you, Chief. You know, hate crimes have no place in our community. We're better than that, Washington. 
We're all trying to deal with the COVID-19 public health crisis together. If you are a victim of a hate crime or hate-based harassment, please call 911. Exactly, Lori. We will document and investigate every reported hate crime. Even racist name-calling should be reported to police. We take this information very seriously. If you aren't sure if a hate crime occurred, call 911. We are here to help and will respond to investigate. That is the leadership of the Seattle, Washington Police Department. Carmen Best is the chief there, and you just heard her what they call chief's brief from March 30th, which was what, Sunday? I don't have my days all together. Well, yeah, whatever. Um, So her chief's brief was, if you hear people saying things you don't like, Call 911. Mind you, she didn't say call the non-emergency number. Call 911, which is, of course, the emergency system for somebody who is in a serious life or death situation where an immediate response is required from either police or fire or EMS services. Call 911. Tie up a 911 operator if you hear something you didn't want to hear. If you hear speech you didn't like, Seattle is prioritizing by emergency response people's freedom of speech. When that police officer is dispatched to the scene of this emergency situation, this emergency crime that is being reported, what are they going to do? What did you hear? Well, I heard somebody call it the Chinese virus. (laughs) Let's break out the cuffs. Did you say it? Did you say Chinese virus? Um, yes. It's kind of what it is. It's a virus that originated in China. It's a virus that was allowed to spread around the world because of the Chinese government. Yeah, I called it the Chinese virus. Why do you ask, officer? (laughs) Why don't you know that? You can't say that in the United States? What do you think, you have free speech or something around here? You can't just want willy-nilly call things what they are if it offends the delicate sensibilities of somebody else. If a pair of ears hears you calling it the Wuhan virus, they may be very, very uh, upset by that. And being upset, of course is a reason to call 911, and it's our reason for taking you in. I, I wish I was making this up. I wish this was a bad Saturday Night Live sketch. It kind of is. It is. Lorne Michaels and his staff could have written this and passed it out to police chiefs around the country, and at least one of them said, I like it. I'm going to use it on my chief's Exactly, briefs. Lori. We will document and investigate every reported hate crime. Even racist name-calling should be reported to police. Racist name-calling. So we no longer have freedom of speech, or at least they don't in the city of Seattle. Police officers are on short supply there and around the world and around the country. Let's stay here locally for now or domestically. Police officers are in short supply because of the COVID-19 Chinese virus and 
They're going to waste the resources they have investigating. She said we will investigate. We take this information very seriously. If you aren't sure if a hate crime occurred, call 911. We are here to help and will respond to investigate. We will respond to investigate. If you're not sure if it was a hate crime when somebody said it was the Chinese virus, well, we'll figure out if it was a hate crime or not. We'll be right there. Sirens blaring. My friends, if you're wondering how we're going to get through all of this, and if your answer to that query is to trust our leadership, I might submit to you we've got a problem on our hands because our leadership is questionable at best. 922, just getting started on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 928, we continue talking about leadership in the uh, in the United States and in various locales. Uh, can we trust our leaders to guide us through this Chinese coronavirus pandemic? Well, it's... We will document and investigate every reported hate crime. Even racist name-calling should be reported to police. Even racist name-calling should be reported to police because name-calling is going to get you a charge of what? A hate crime to use words that somebody else doesn't like, then we get into the issue of who gets to determine which words are likable and which words are not, which words are legitimate and which words are not. This is what they want to do. Let's go to another leader. This time, we'll go to the leader of the of the United States of America. President Trump was asked by a reporter during yesterday's coronavirus briefing about illegal aliens. How come illegal aliens aren't getting stimulus checks? My friends, this is what a leader sounds like. President, a couple of questions, one for you, one for Mr. Wolf, if possible. Um, over 5 million immigrants in this country do pay taxes through their IT numbers, yet they will not receive any money um, in their stimulus package, and no undocumented immigrant will receive any aid from the government during this crisis. How do you suppose they survive during the COVID-19? Well, you know, you're saying undocumented, meaning they came in illegally, and a lot of people would say we have... Uh, a lot of citizens right now that won't be working. So what are you going to do? It's a tough thing. It's a very terrible, it's a very sad question. I must be honest with you, but they came in illegally. And uh, we have a lot of people that are citizens of our country that won't be able to have jobs. Now, I do think once we get rid of the virus, I think we're going to have a boom economy. I think it's going to go up rather quickly, maybe very quickly and maybe slowly, but it's going to go up. And it'll all come back. And I think it's actually going to come back stronger than what it was because of the stimulus. Uh, but it's a, it's a really uh, sad situation, and we are working on it. The president of the United States basically said they're illegals. That's the end of the story. When you're illegal, you are entitled to nothing, nothing from the American taxpayer. You are, you are entitled to zero benefits that go to our citizens. While we have, how many people just filed for unemployment today? How many uh, jobless, uh, in the jobless uh, reports today? 6.6 million, I think it was. After 3.3 million, that's 10 million people in two weeks, or actually one week apart, that are without jobs. And when the president said when he came into office that he was going to put America first, he meant it. And when you put America first, that means you put Americans first. 
So my, my answer to that reporter who wanted to know about undocumented people, which means illegal aliens, who are, how do they survive during this? I don't know. My suggestion? Go back and, and, and ask your government for some sort of a stimulus check. When I say your government, I mean the government to which you belong, in the country to which you belong, rather than the one that you have attempted to steal by crossing our borders illegally, taking jobs from our citizens, and soaking benefits uh, that our citizens uh, would be getting. How about that? The president said, you know what, Uh, essentially, tough. That's my response. We're going to take care of Americans first. That, my friends, is leadership. Back after the news. Letting the extended open play here for this song for two reasons. One, it's one of my very favorites. Two, um, it drives my friend Chris bananas. He hates stick. He thinks sticks. He thinks sticks is overrated. And I'm going to make him listen to every single note of that uh, opening riff. That's uh, <laughs> that's just a little personal note there. Uh, Nine thirty-eight. Now we continue on fourteen twenty. The answer. I'd let the whole song play if I could. Sometimes I, I feel like I miss my calling. I should have been an FM DJ rather than an AM talk radio host. Uh, okay. Uh, coming up in uh, twenty-four or five minutes, we're going to be talking to Doctor Everett Piper. Coming up at the bottom of the next hour as well, ten thirty-five. We're also going to be talking to May, uh, Mary Graber, uh, who's uh, going to shine a spotlight on China and who's going to shine a spotlight on those who continue to advance Chinese propaganda. So that's going to be a part of the conversation today as well. China needs to be held accountable. Marsha Blackburn, by the way, is among those who have had just about enough. The facts of the, the matter with respect to China's intentional, it's not incompetence, it's intentional covering up of the seriousness of the coronavirus, which was born in Wuhan, China, and then allowed to escape China with some 5,000 or so people from Wuhan province who took it with them to the rest of the world. They absolutely must be held accountable. And the mainstream media, uh, which has been aiding the Chinese in their propaganda, is, I mean, they've, they've, they've got to stop. Uh, Let me share a little bit of this with you from Tucker Carlson last night. This is just a part of the story. As the coronavirus pandemic continues to wreak havoc around the world, the U.S. has now overtaken every other country country to report more than 100,000 confirmed cases, surpassing China and Italy in the most perverse possible version of Trump's signature slogan, America first. Got that? Trump is bad. Trump runs America. America's humiliation must be good. That's their view. Has there ever been a media establishment easier to control than ours? 
They lost their ability to think clearly years ago. It's all reflex now. Whatever Donald Trump is for, they're against. They're like dogs. Cook a cheeseburger and they drool. They can't help themselves. Lost in this very familiar cycle was any discussion of whether or not China's much-touted health numbers are real. And the answer to that question, of course, is absolutely not. Dr. Deborah Burks of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, a Coronavirus Response Task Force, laid this out for us yesterday as well. Dr. Burks stated that the Chinese government withheld notable information regarding the virus and its transmissibility by human-to-human contact from the, uh, the United States and other countries around the globe. Quote, when you talk about what could, what could we have known, uh, and if it was something different, I think all of us, Dr. Burke said, I mean, I was overseas when this happened, in Africa, and I think when you look at the China data originally, and you say, oh, well, there's 80 million people or 20 million people in Wuhan and 80 million people in Hubei, and they come up with a number of 50,000, you start thinking of this as more like SARS than you do uh, kind of a global pandemic. She then explained that the medical community was not not expecting the magnitude of the pandemic based on the data from China. In particular, she referenced the area in which the the virus likely originated, Hubei province and Wuhan, the city, um, for having, quote, close quarters and implied that the number of cases reported by the country led medical experts to believe the virus was less contagious than what it was. So I think, said Dr. Deborah Burks, that the medical community interpreted the Chinese data as this was serious but smaller than anyone expected. Because I think probably we were missing a significant amount of the data. She noted that U.S. officials have had a better idea of the virus after following its spread in Spain and Italy than they did coming from China. Because obviously, China buried the information. They did everything they could to hide it. And now, they're trying to use their propaganda to profit from it. And again, American journalists and American Democrats are just joining the cause. If the Chinese Communist Party cites you favorably in one of its propaganda videos, chances are you're doing it wrong in the United States. But Democrats and members of the U.S. media have found themselves in Chinese propaganda videos. See, it's become so blatant and so obvious which side that the American Democrats and the American media are on. And I know that's very repetitive and redundant. But it's become so obvious that they side with the communist Chinese government rather than Donald Trump. That it's, 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 it's become just kind of a, a hodgepodge. What I'm trying to say is it used to be that Chinese communists would put out propaganda that sympathetic communist sympathizers in the American media or in the extreme elements of the Democratic Party would repeat that. But, but it's become such a, a hodgepodge, such, such a mix. This, this, there's this amalgam of, of information that now it's the other way around. Now, American reporters and American Democrats say things that the Chinese communists hear and use in their propaganda. They're, they're like one and the same. It's like they're just a team. They're just kind of coordinating their, their campaigns together. That's not an overstatement. The Global Times is a state-run Chinese tabloid, released a video just days ago highlighting various U.S. media personalities from the likes of CNN and MSNBC and NBC and so on, as well as Democrat leaders who have pushed 
the Beijing-approved talking point that it is racist to call the virus by its country or city of origin. This video features CNN's Chris Cuomo, NBC News' Richard Engel. The Chinese government produced this propaganda video also featuring Hillary Clinton and Bill de Blasio. Engel said earlier this month in one of the dumbest statements ever to grace television screens, quote, it is easy to scapegoat people, and that's why it has always happened uh, when there have been pandemics or epidemics. This is a virus that came from the territory of China, but came from bats. This is the bat virus, not a China virus, which, by the way, is absolutely in full dispute. There is no confirmation at all that this came from a bowl of bat soup or anything of that, of, of that sort. And I know the Chinese wet markets are just disease-ridden, you know, hellholes that could indeed be responsible for something like this. But there is no confirmation that it came from a bat, or, or bats plural, any more than there is confirmation but suspicion that it came from one of the bioweapon labs in Wuhan. And there are two of them there. But I digress. The Chinese propaganda video also featured China's, uh, I'm sorry, also fe- featured Hillary Clinton's tweet wherein she wrote, the president is turning to racist rhetoric to distract from his failures to take the coronavirus seriously early on, make tests widely available, and adequately prepare the country for a period of crisis, end quote. De Blasio is cited in the same Chinese government-produced propaganda video saying on social media and remarks directed at the president, if you're looking for someone to pin this crisis on, try the guy who made up a phony Google website or promised testing kits that still haven't been delivered. Our Asian-American communities, people you serve, are already suffering. They don't need you fueling more bigotry. These are being produced by the Chinese government. In just a weird little turn, rather than the Democrats repeating the Chinese, the Chinese are repeating and promoting the Democrats. And, and, and there's a reason. A separate video produced by the Global Times, again, Chinese government-controlled, highlighted CNN's Chris Saliza's claim that the U.S. president is weaponizing bigotry to distract the federal government or distract from the federal government's sluggish and unfocused response to the pandemic in America. The video then questions whether the virus even originated in Wuhan. Again, citing Saliza and CNN's commentary to argue that Trump is using China as a scapegoat. Re-election concerns are driving the Trump administration's intense attack on China as a ploy to divert public anger over the federal government's poor controls, the propaganda video states. They've indeed been quite incompetent. Perhaps they can't face their public without blaming China. So this is American journalists and American Democrat politicians who are just this side of communists themselves are taking their talking points straight from Beijing, and Beijing is taking the statements of the Democrats and the American media, taking it from them and using it in their literature and in their videos. The fact of the matter is the reason China wants to highlight people in the United States condemning the recognition of Wuhan as the source is because the more they can they can uh, join the call <coughs> that cites such language as bigotry worthy of calling 911 in Seattle, Washington by the way, the more they can do that, the less they will face from the international community in terms of retribution and rebuke and reckoning for the fact that it really did begin there and their cover up is most responsible. Why is it important for them to point the finger at Trump and to use American media in their effort to do that? Why is Beijing so uh, invested in this? 
Well, here's why. I mentioned her name a few moments ago. Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee made a statement yesterday that some of us in media or in conservative media have stated, but I've never heard anybody in a position of leadership say it. Perhaps it's time to balance the ledger with China. The United States owes mainland China roughly $1.08 trillion in debt. It's a part of our, of course, 23 and growing trillion dollar federal debt. <coughs> Excuse me. China owns about $1 trillion of that, a little bit more. Perhaps it's time, says Marsha Blackburn, to wipe the slate clean. There it is. One of the things in my Senate resolution, I'm quoting Marsha Blackburn now, Senator Blackburn. One of the things in my Senate resolution 50, uh, uh, 553, which it expresses uh, the sense uh, of the Senate that we know this came from Wuhan, China, and that they hid the information and were not transparent and blocked the World Health Organization and the CDC from coming in to help. They then tried to blame it on the U.S. military, and we must hold them accountable. I will tell you this. I think we need to look at the fact that China owns over a trillion dollars of our debt. They like investing in us. Why do they like that? Because we are a safe debt for them, a safe place for them to put their money. And knowing that they have made a global pandemic worse than it ever would have been, because of their actions, they should waive some of our debt. I would take out the word some, Senator Blackburn. Waive our debt. They have caused a tremendous amount of loss of life, loss of businesses, suffering, inconvenience, and shutting down our economy. Marsha Blackburn is 100% correct. It is time for us to identify the real problem here, the real cause, the real um, enemy, if you will. You know, President Trump says we're fighting an invisible war, a war against an invisible enemy. And it's true, the virus is invisible. But its origin and its perpetrators are not. They're very visible. Those, that, that, that enemy is China. And I'm not saying we need to go to war with China in the traditional sense, but I am saying that it is time. We, as President Trump has already renegotiated trade deals with the um, communist Chinese government and imposed tariffs on Chinese goods, those need to be ramped up exponentially until they agree to waive our debt to them as part of the payback for unleashing this pandemic on the United States and the rest of the world that is costing lives, costing jobs, costing businesses, and costing more. 216 the numbers to get in. We'll try to get you on the air right after this. AM 1420, The Answer. Real quick, sticking with my theme of let's evaluate leadership and analyze leadership from New York City to Washington State to Seattle to the federal government. Uh, let's go back to New York on this one now. Upon hearing that Samaritan's Purse, which is a relief organization run by Franklin Graham, Christian evangelist, that Samaritan's Purse is coming to New York City to set up a temporary hospital in Central Park to, you know, Save lives? Some woke, liberal New York City officials, here's your leadership again, were furious. First was New York City Council Speaker Corey Johnson, who tweeted a statement uh, about the development saying, Franklin Graham has a long history of spewing anti-LGBTQ hate speech, which is not true, by the way. Franklin Graham simply opposes same-sex marriage on the basis of scripture. That's it. 
That's what his religion teaches. It's not hate speech. Anyway, and I find it extremely troubling that he and his organizations are involved in our relief efforts in any way. I will be monitoring this situation closely and making sure that our city's values are being represented at all times. What values? He's coming to help save lives, you incomprehensible fool. Then there's New York State Senator Brad Hoyleman, who tweeted, It's a shame that the federal government has left New York. Again, take a shot at Trump. The federal government has left New York with no other choice but to accept charity from bigots. In a statement on his official Senate page, Hoyleman called Graham a notorious anti-LGBTQXYZRQNYP pastor and put Graham on notice that Samaritan's Purse must treat all COVID-19 patients equally at the new medical tents. As if somehow the doctors in the medical tents being set up, set up by Graham's organization, are going to ask patients as they come in, are you straight or gay? Oh, <laughs> you, you don't get a ventilator. You're gay, you don't get a ventilator. Are these people out of their minds? This is the leadership again. The leadership that we are relying upon to get us through this pandemic crisis is at various points in time, and depending on what location you're looking at, so utterly incompetent, so in, unimaginably, uh, I, I'm running out of ad- adjectives, to be honest with you, to describe these people. But they don't give me faith that we're getting the right advice. They do not give me faith to believe enough to believe that we're doing this the right way, because they seem absolutely out of their minds. Several examples of that this morning. TJ, go ahead. You're in Cleveland on the air. Yeah, you know, uh, Bob, what goes around comes around. You know, in the city of New York, we've seen that a couple months ago, how they were attacking policemen, throwing stuff at them. Let's face it, the left hates the police. Now this city's going to get a little taste of what it's like of not having policemen on the street. They're going to be releasing all these criminals, and more and more police are going to be quarantined. And let's see how that turns out with these clowns on the left when they don't have any police on the street. But you know who I feel the worst for, TJ? I get your point. But the cops that are still on the job, the, the small fraction of cops that are still on the job are going to be running around like chickens with their heads cut off, trying to respond to call after call after call, and walking into more and more dangerous situations because there won't be backup because of, as you said, the quarantine. So that's, you know, it's one thing to say, well, you take a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, uh, satisfaction in knowing that the idiots who hate the cops there are going to find out what life is like without them, but the ones that remain are the ones who are going to be in grave danger, and that's what I worry about. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, TJ, thanks, uh, my I, man. I got to, I got to get a couple more in before the top. Thank you, Tony in South Euclid. Go ahead, Tony. Yes, hi, Mr. France. Uh, yes, sir. Listen, my father, my father uh, took a statistics course uh, years ago, and he told me one insightful thing is that the instructor said to him that when you start this course and you finish it, you're going to learn ten percent mathematics and 90% psychology. This is the same thing that we're dealing with with this quarantine, staying in your house. This is never going to work. They thought it was going to work. I think there was good intentions. But human nature, of course, exists, and people aren't going to follow the orders. So we have to understand, look, no matter what, even all these people dying, I know it's traumatic, and I don't, uh, you know, I don't like that. I, nobody likes it. But they're going to have to release these people, this, this, this quarantine through the world or through the United States, whatever you want to call it, and get people back to work. 
they're going to finally realize that this is not going to work. I appreciate the phone call, Tony. Thanks very much. Yes, they are absolutely going to have to let people get back to work because, again, and I hate to sound like a broken record or a cliche, but the but the cure cannot be worse than the virus. And at this point in time, 6.6 more million Americans just today, uh, we found out, filed in the last week for unemployment benefits. Jobless numbers are just going through the roof because of this. If we have this happen for another month, another two months, another three months, there may not be a country left to save. Dr. Everett Piper joins us next, right here. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.